Welcome to The Savage Truth with Cicely Davis. I am your host, Cicely Davis. Well, Happy New Year and welcome back to The Savage Truth. It's 2024 and we have an eventful year to embrace as we keep focus, of course, on the upcoming presidential election, as well as the shape of American culture. As always, please like, share, subscribe, and leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube as we get into another episode. 2024, we've made it. What a year we have ahead of us. Iowa caucus quickly approaches on the 15th this month. Our economy goes through yet another bout of analyzation and scrutiny on the 19th and February 2nd and the much anticipated list of Jeffrey Epstein, which has lurked behind the corner of American curiosity, has finally been revealed, yet the cover-up continues. Now, it would be crooked and dishonest of me to assume, or lead anyone else to assume, that a name on a list implies dirt, shame, illegal activity, or guilt of any kind. The bigger issue, I think, and I think you can all agree, is that Epstein has been accused of abuse and trafficking for quite some time now, as early as 2006. The shame lies in the fact that it took so long for this list to be revealed. Now, I want to get back to July 6th and 7th of 2019. Let's go there. After which, by the way, Epstein served a a few months in prison in 2017 for his crimes. Back to July 6th and 7th, shortly after Epstein was arrested for new sexual assault charges, FBI agents photographed a slew of evidence in Epstein's New York townhouse, discovering binders of CDs and photos lining his shelves in his safe which they pried open with a saw, by the way. FBI agents found pornographic photos of children along with more CDs with handwritten labels with names of two individuals or more, basically implying that it would be possibly perpetrator and, you know, the abused on these labels. Now, many have speculated that these were blackmail materials. The agents claim they didn't take the items just because they didn't actually have a warrant. They just took photographs of them. And apparently those agents left the property to officially obtain a search warrant, which took some four days to acquire. Of course, hearing this, it's ridiculous. Considering how high a profile this case was and is, it still remains today, a judge would have been able at that time to approve a warrant almost immediately while agents actually remain on the site continuing their search. But in Epstein's case, they left the property and didn't return for four whole days. And wouldn't you know it, upon their subsequent returns, mind you, four days later, the material was missing. Hmm. I just simply can't imagine that. Now, supposedly, one of Epstein's lawyers brought the CDs to the FBI, but who knows if they actually did so, number one. And secondly, if it was the same material they originally found when they had no warrant. I'll let you be the judge of that one. I know that for me, if you pee on my leg, you wouldn't be able to convince me that it's raining. There is no way of knowing how much evidence was tampered with or what was taken or omitted. But a reasonable thinking person, reasonable thinking people like you and me, we can lean a certain way to be, I think, extremely skeptical. 
Given this history surrounding Epstein, his attorneys, and the privilege that's surrounding this case, and the enormous legal breaks that he has received, there's no way we're ever going to really truly know the depth, the scope, and scale of the whole truth surrounding this case. That means what exactly Epstein did and who his associates were, right? We're just never ever going to truly know who's really deeply involved, all those names, um, his clientele, et cetera. These new long-awaited files are apparently impartially unredacted. More documents are supposed to be revealed soon and as well as unredacted files as well. This, by the way, is a 943-page document, mostly deposition transcripts and motions per civil suit of Jelaine Maxwell, Epstein's former girlfriend, with the victim's names concealed, rightfully so, for their protection and for their privacy. But I must say, considering the continued cover-up surrounding Epstein and the secrecy, not sure about you, but I'm not expecting a full reveal of this material. I'm also not expecting it to be all that shocking beyond what we've already heard and the names that have already been revealed. And what do we already know? Well, we know that Epstein served some time for his crimes, about three to four months in 2017. We know that former girlfriend Jelaine Maxwell, who is now appealing her 20-year sentence, was accused of grooming young underage girls for Epstein. We know that Epstein died by way of suicide in a New York City jail cell in 2019 while awaiting trial. We know that former President Bill Clinton's name was mentioned more than several times, having been on Epstein's private plane named Lolita Express and his private island named Little St. James, but many refer to as Pedophile Island. We know that Prince Andrew's name was mentioned as well, he having settled out of court after accusations surrounding him. Much of this was already reported, but it's a bit different, I guess, seeing it in court filing. Publication does not imply guilt or knowledge, I'm gonna stress that again, and approximately 190 Jane Doe's are mentioned in the documents who are tied to a civil lawsuit against Maxwell. And those are just the names of the people who are willing to step up. I can't even imagine how many Jane Doe's were intimidated because it is high profile and these are powerful, wealthy people who actually didn't step up to um, blow the whistle on this ridiculous, illegal, and shameful ring. Her accuser, Virginia, her meaning Maxwell, her accuser, Virginia Dufresne, says she was trafficked when she was 17 years old to Prince Andrew, who, as I mentioned, denied the allegations and settled out of court. Now, I mentioned cover-up at the top of this story, and when you actually think about taking down crime families in the mob and drug lords and sophisticated theft rings, the uncovering of many White House scandals, and yet the names and associates associated with the Epstein and Maxwell case, when it comes to protecting children, just can't seem to be fully revealed. I mean, think about this for a minute. Think about this. We have had several White House scandals come to fruition. We're talking about Pablo Escobar, who was the greatest drug lord in the world, who had private jets, he had his own militia, he also had an island. We're supposed to believe 
that he had no clients. He had all this product to sell and he had no one to sell it to. So we're supposed to believe that with Jeffrey Epstein, who had a private plane and he had several places around the world and he had his own private jet and he had a private island, apparently he had no clients. Okay, this is the greatest and the biggest sex trafficking ring in the world, and yet we're supposed to believe that Jeffrey Epstein had no clientele. Always seem to run into a glitch or circumstances seem to block that revelation. There's a cloud over surrounding the details or in transparency with regard to this story. The one piece of news, however, that brought me to some cheer was hearing that former President Donald Trump, who knew Epstein for many years, kick Epstein out of Mar-a-Lago because Epstein hit on a teenage daughter of another member. Now, folks, that's what I call integrity. And believe me, if Trump had been mentioned in any way with activity that was illegal with regard to underage girls, it would have been revealed long ago. So again, I say this is about integrity. Okay, Donald Trump knew what Jeffrey Epstein was all about. He didn't need to call authorities. He didn't need to wait for a legal team. He did was right from the beginning. Dems would not have hesitated to get Donald Trump's name out if he had been in any way mentioned or associated with any Ill illegal activity with regard to those young underage girls. This to me, again, shows integrity on behalf of Donald Trump. But more importantly, it shows who he is when no one is looking. Hitting on underage girls is illegal. It's wrong, it's creepy and criminal, and Trump was not having any of it. So much so that he gave Epstein the boot, unlike apparently so many others. This makes him number five and number 47 for president of the United States, in my opinion. Moving on. And Harvard President Claudine Gay announced her resignation last Tuesday afternoon. As you all know, I'm sure, she then penned an op-ed in the New York Times where she did acknowledge some mistakes but offered no real apology. She even suggested she was a victim in a political and racist smear campaign. No surprise. Now, the Associated Press backed up Gay's notions, receiving sharp conservative scorn after it suggested plagiarism was a new weapon for conservatives. And I quote, Harvard president's resignation highlights new conservative weapons against colleges, plagiarism. The a this was an AP headline um, as related to this story. Plagiarism charges downed Harvard's president. A conservative attack helped to fan the outrage. In Gay's case, many academics were troubled with how the plagiarism came to light as part of a coordinated campaign to discredit Gay and force her from office, in part because of her involvement in efforts for racial justice on campus. As I'm reading from the AP, I'm quoting, the campaign against Gay and other Ivy League presidents has become part of a broader right-wing effort to remake higher education, which has often been seen as a bastion of liberalism. Republican detractors have sought to gut funding for public universities, roll back tenure, and banish initiatives that make colleges more welcoming to students of color, disabled students, and the LGBTQ community. They have also aimed to limit how race and gender are discussed in classrooms, end of quote. Now, Obama remains strangely silent after Gay's downing, after it was revealed that he attempted to pressure Harvard donor elites 
to keep Gay on as president at Harvard. Al Sharpton, of course, weighed in naturally. The civil rights leader hosted a protest outside the office of Bill Ackman, who spearheaded the removal of Gay and criticized DEI. Sharpton had the following comments. Ackman declared war on DEI. He declared war on affirmative action. He's defining himself as a right winger in terms of dealing with racial equality. Sharpton, along with his organization, National Action Network, vowed to protest every Thursday with plans to escalate, as if we need that anymore. He went on to say this, and I quote, this issue is not just about what they did to the president of Harvard University. It's about the use of her as a scapegoat to fight DEI. Sharpton added that Gay was the first black person to lead Harvard. We know. Please believe me. We know. Ackman wrote a 4,000-word social media post on X, formerly known as Twitter, and he said this, and I quote, DEI is inherently a racist and illegal movement in its implementation even if it purports to work on behalf of the so-called oppressed, adding that such programs create an oppressor-slash-oppressed framework and stir up anti-Israel and anti-Jewish hate speech and harassment on campus, as we can all so very plainly see playing out across the media. Gay also faced widespread criticism over her response to a question at a congressional hearing about whether calls for genocide of Jews violated Harvard's code of conduct. Gay initially said it depended on the context before issuing an apology. So here's my take on this. So when things like this happen, when black people and people of color are held accountable simply because they are held to the same standards as everyone else, you will see, without a doubt, race baiters crawl out of the woodwork. Make no mistake, this is not about racism. It's about race for those of us who live in America, operating in a system of merit and a place where we expect high standards. After all, isn't that what black excellence is all about? By the way, who was a part of that vetting team at Harvard? Who conducted the interviews? How did they miss this grave and shameful evidence of academic cheatery? And that's what this is. This is cheating. And I can think of many, many intelligent, achieved, honorable, accomplished, exceptional academic and managerial, with managerial experience, people who would better qualify. As usual, the leftists want to claim that high standards are a problem for black people or for minorities. Wrong, 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 and wrong again. Low standards are a problem for minorities. Only Obama and Sharpton, the squad in the gang, thinks it's perfectly okay to have a poor functioning, mediocre president like Miss Gay as Harvard's president. Now, Claudine Gay did indeed resign as president of Harvard, though she will remain on as faculty in the political science department, earning $900,000 a year salary. Am I missing something here? Isn't that in itself an achievement, given that her misdeeds were academic in nature? Here's the savage truth. In the view of left-wing media, 
the fact is that she committed plagiarism matters much less than the reality that it was conservative writers who actually caught her. I'm concerned for the detrimental message, the legacy, the scandal, and the poor example gay leaves for young black children and for young black aspiring academics who will now glean from this as racism, not pick up, picking up on the fact that she failed and that you are rewarded when you operate at the highest standards possible and you're held accountable when you cheat. Once again, the black community has them. Condoleezza Wright, Carol Swain, Larry Elder, Tim Scott, and on and on and on. Black people, seriously, we need to pick better heroes. Yet, we hold in high regard those who have tarnished the black plight. Again, we need to choose better heroes. And finally, 64 House GOP Republicans visit the southern border in the city of Eagle Pass, Texas on Wednesday, demanding harsher border measures and pointed to the failed policies and immigration law at, at Biden and his administration. This is a backdrop to a legislative package that would introduce more restrictions to the country's border security and immigration policy. December is on record for having the most encounters to date at a staggering 302,000. This is without a doubt the largest number heard since Biden took office. Gavin Newsom has given illegal immigrants an incentive to visit the Golden State as California offers 700,000 illegal immigrants free health care as deficit soars and population shrinks. The free health insurance for illegal immigrants is expected to cost $2.6 billion annually. The program was announced initially in May of 2019 by Newsom to provide the health insurance for illegal immigrants ages 26 to 49. The state has been doing so since 2019, but has added insurance for the additional 700,000 under the state's Medi-Cal coverage. Now, wealthy Californians are fleeing the state, putting tax revenue at risk amidst the severe revenue decline of a record of 600 and, I'm sorry, of a record of $68 billion deficit. That's what ex California is experiencing right now, a $68 billion deficit. When the bill was proposed, Newsom called the expansion a transformative step towards strengthening the healthcare system for all Californians. California's Health and Human Services Secretary, Dr. Mark Gailey, called the bill the future national model for expanding access, reducing costs, improving services, and closing equity gaps. They've got all the buzzwords. So here's my take on this, the savage take. This is clearly deliberate. And the agenda is obvious, it's obvious. Newsom is obviously more interested in staying in power and it was successful as it did help solidify his support among the proposal's progressive advocates as he dueled with a fellow leftist, Antonio Villagosa. And expanding welfare sanctuary state like California cannot bear the weight or foot the bill of this. Again, we're talking about a $68 billion current deficit in California. He will undoubtedly seek funding from the federal government, which he absolutely does not deserve. The goal here is to not make life better for Californians, 
but to stress taxpayers, to increase government, and to bankrupt America. And think about this, folks. What's the agenda here? Think about this. If you wanted to fundamentally change a country, how would you do it? Well, you would let in its opposing enemies, you would break open their borders, you would bankrupt, you would break down, you would tear down their statues, you would try to erase their history and obliterate their heroes. We need to be so keen to what is really happening across our states and through these communist leaders. 2024 presents an opportunity to save our republic and shut down these destructive anti-American leaders who are so disconnected to the cares and livelihoods of the American people. 23, 2023 is gone and we've said so long. And as we say so long to 2023, Let's try to end it with a little humor. Now, forgive me, I'm no Bill Cosby. Ooh, can I say that anymore? Can I say his name? Anyway, I'll do my best. So let's start with this. What do you call Bob the Builder in the midst of Bidenomics? Just Bob. How did the recession put a man back on his feet? Well, the bank took away his car. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not Bill or Dave Chappelle, but you can at least appreciate my effort. I think as we ended 2023, all you can do is laugh. Well, laugh and vote. Because let's remember, in 2024, we can stop laughing and get serious about taking this country back from the leftist communists who are trying to control this great republic. But we need to get our heads on straight. Let's not pretend that we don't have a problem in American politics, so let's address it. According to a 2023 Pew Research Center study, 31% of Americans believe politicians are the biggest problem in American politics. That's staggering. 15% point to greed and corruption, while 7% cite dishonesty or lack of honesty as their chief concern. As one participant stated, they don't work for the American people. They are too corrupt and busy filling their pockets. Does this strike a chord with you? Is any of this surprising to you at all? I mean, think about it. We have the most popular president in history running the country with the most liberal government possible. We should be in a state of woke, blissful happiness, but we're not. According to that same Pew study, seven in 10 said they had an unfavorable view of Congress. This is the highest in four decades of polling, and the House and the Senate fare only marginally better. The Supreme Court has its most negative polling in three decades, with 54% of pollsters having an unfavorable view. And of course, we have President Biden, the most popular president in history, I remind you, and I'm going to keep reminding you, polling at a 58 to nearly 70% disapproval rating. And surprisingly, people say they don't trust politics and the news media. I wonder why. Of course, we do have academia. Surely we can lean on the trusted advice of this country's academia lead academic leaders. No? I'm shocked. Next thing you'll tell me is they're anti-Semitic and pro-Hamas. How is this possible? 
How is this possible? Well, I'll tell you in a minute, but let's get back to that poll because I think those, those statistics are really important. The poll showed that most Americans believe that major pol political donors and special interest groups have too much influence and that ordinary people have too little influence. Remember, this is a republic. It's supposed to be about the people, for the people, and by the people. The corruption of money was a widespread concern. Many see monetary gain as a reason why most elected officials seek office to begin with. Scariest of all, only four in 10 said that voting is an extremely effective way to change the country for the better. That is staggering. 34% say it is somewhat effective and 21% say it's not effective at all. The majority polled, 65% say they feel exhausted, exhausted by politics. 55% say they are angry and 10% say they are hopeful. With the smallest number yet, only 4% who actually say they are excited. Now, I'm in that 4%. I'm excited for 2024 because I'm hoping that people like me, you who are viewing, are hopeful that we've been pushed so far left, we don't look anything like what the founders had in mind for this country, that we'll all kind of get back together and vote America um, in less than 11 months. When asked to describe politics in a single word, these words were used the most frequently. Hear these words, divisive corrupt, messy, chaos, broken, dysfunctional, terrible, disgusting, disgraceful, crazy, self-centered, bad, polarized, unproductive, joke. If this isn't telling you something, I don't know what is. The American people have a distrust of politicians and the only way this will change is by removing the ones we don't trust and replacing them with someone we do. In 2024, we need to vote for America. According to the Pew poll, the only real hope we have is that 57%, that's six in 10, say voting can at least have some effect on the country's future. So let's hope and pray that they can affect the less hopeful. But while Americans don't trust politicians, we have a deeper corruption in America, and it's the driving force behind wokeism and leftist politicians. 2024 could be the end of wokeism, or should I say the hysteria of wokeism, but we need to get out and we need to vote. And really, what is wokeism? What is that definition? I'm told that the goal of wokeism is to ensure equality. Some have called it the new version of political correctness, but what it really is, is an updated version of Marxism. And what exactly is Marxism? The savage truth is, it's communism. It's communism disguised as social activism. It's the elite exploiting the disenfranchised into activism based on a false narrative of social equality that ends in communism. And it's led by billionaire liberal Democrats like George Soros. This movement is a leftist lie and it's reinforced through media, through celebrities and leftist politicians. So let's define woke. 
Let's take the time to define woke. The term woke refers to a view that modern societies are filled with oppression based on race, based on gender, sexual preference, disability, body size, and other identities. And that we need a social justice revolution to dismantle these oppressions and that human interactions must be constantly policed for biases and equalities. And while many Americans can agree that such things as racism, sexism, and homophobia still linger in American society, few, very few, would believe that they are better off with this absurdity of wokeism. Woke activism has taken the idea of equality to extremes, insisting that all white Americans are inherently racist and enjoy the advantage of white privilege, that all male romantic interests in females is rooted in toxic masculinity, or that all claims of transgender identity must be acknowledged and applauded and celebrated. They also point out that white language, culture, and history are key players in our American oppressive attitudes, and that only by policing them do they stand the chance of being rescued from a state of perpetual triggering. It's that time again. Need to tell a joke. What's the difference between a gun and liberals? Answer? Guns only have one trigger. I'm on a roll, I'm on a roll here. So, who are the victims of this new wokeism? Well, we all are, even the woke. The American Republic is being sacrificed on an altar of utopian idealism. And in the end of it, it continues, we all lose. Every law-abiding citizen in the United States has somehow been affected by the defund the police movement, law enforcement's morale is at an all-time low, record crime is recorded in U.S. cities, mostly, if not all, in Democrat cities, and of course, the media is quick to point to crime being lower than during the pandemic. You remember that period, you know, when you could burn down a city in a peaceful protest? Times are better than that. I would point out that Minneapolis, my city, is rated number 19 in cities with the highest violent crime rates. Now, lucky for us, our violent crime is higher in rape and robbery than in murder. Of course, being short 130 plus officers could cause even more crime and less reporting. And then we have the woke indoctrination of our children teaching children they are guilty of oppression due to the color of their skin. Well, the white kids anyway. This leads the way to critical race theory and the continued exploitation of racism. Of course, this is all being taught in a gender-affirming classroom. Well, at least the kids can take a stress break in gym class where transgender slash biological males will be busy stealing the scholarship dreams from your daughters. But they want us to believe that this is the new normal. Just stop fighting it. And I think it's time for another joke, and I need a break. What is racist, homophobic, sexist, bigoted, or a hater? The answer, of course, being anyone winning an argument against a liberal. Okay, 
there. I feel a little better now. I'm on a roll. I think, you know, I think of all the pioneering women in sports whose records are being broken, how hard they fought for the acceptance of female sports and how women's sports are now being changed forever until this absurdity continues to the point where there will be no more women's sports. And let's not leave out those green wokists, those charming activists who fight restricting oil production, resulting in higher fuel prices. Thank you so very much. Oh, those brave individuals who parade the propaganda behind wind and solar power and battery cars. Now, I've seen the climate change protesters, and I know they cannot afford a Tesla on a Starbucks salary. So maybe they should think about this. They think they are fighting the rich, but they are actually destroying themselves. Because the rich, they can buy a Tesla, while the working class, middle America, are struggling putting $100 worth of gas into their cars. Maybe someone should tell them. And the border wokists, the border wokists, you know, the ones who claim that borders are racist and a sign of nationalism, all the while they live in gated communities while they ignore the thousands of homeowners near the border who have been overrun with illegal aliens. These innocent American homeowners have lost a sense of security and are faced with daily crime and violence due to a political agenda of wokeism. And when they speak up, they are subjected to claims of racism. They now live in an America where they have less rights than the illegal aliens themselves. The savage truth is, wokeism is a power shift of the leftist elite. It's not about equality or fairness. In fact, it's an illusion. The leftist elite, they do not care who suffer. They have money, they have the influence, and they have power. They will manipulate the rules they make for others. They get the poor or the working class, middle America, to fight the fight of equality, all the while they strip those same people of the very rights they are fighting for. And what do they gain? Well, clearly they care until it hurts. Well, not until it actually hurts them. But what they actually gain is an image of self-importance and superiority. You see, it's easy to feel that way when you cruise through life in a new Hummer EV, driving past the homeless camps, closed businesses, and burned out police stations, knowing that they've made a difference, that they've helped, that they're one of the good guys, or one of the good gals, or she's, or he's, or they's, or whatever it is. The savage truth is, all their materialism makes them feel guilty, and virtue signaling, signaling is their cure. And while I could end it here, let's just not, because what wokeists like even more than creating victims, it's being one. Do you realize how many left elitists use race to live in a fake world of victimhood? That even success can exempt them from the terminal victimhood of race. Just ask Oprah. Oprah, who seems to forget that her success was brought to her by millions of white women because nobody, and I mean nobody, loved Oprah Winfrey like white women. And yet, Oprah remains 
a victim. Much like Colin Kaepernick or LeBron James, now let's add Claudine Gay to that list, and it goes on and on and on. Celebrities, save us. Hollywood, save us. If you could only fill your movies and TV shows with 50% ethnicity, it would make it less burdensome than worrying about how many black children were killed in Chicago and New York this weekend. And don't forget about the genderqueer and the disabled and the obese. You know, we need more fat people too. The savage truth is the leftist elite are the ruling class. Their attempts to rail against it are only attempts to save themselves from the revolution. Now, maybe next week, I'll pull back the curtain on the Nazi past of major universities such as Harvard and Princeton and Columbia. Now, I'll end with this. I know this all seems and sounds like doom and gloom, but the truth is there really is hope. We have been here before. America is enduring and it's strong. We just need to realize that the problem is the wrong people in office with a malicious agenda. They mean no good to us. And we just need us. We need us to fix it, the people. You see, the people are the problem and the right people can fix it. The founders believe that and you and I must believe that as well. As always, I'm gonna ask that you please like, share, subscribe, and leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And remember, for 2024, be bold, be strong, be faithful, be true. Till next time, I'm Cicely Davis. The Savage Truth with Cicely Davis is a production of Front Page Magazine and the David Horowitz Freedom Center. Reproduction of this podcast without express written consent is prohibited.